This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Chiesi. Providing innovative neonatology solutions for more than 35 years, Chiesi is committed to supporting the neonatology community and the NICU families you serve. To learn more, visit www.nicuconnections.com slash incubator. This is The Incubator, a weekly discussion about new advances in neonatology and the fascinating individuals who make this progress possible. I am Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova-Barbeau. We are neonatal intensive care physicians. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator Podcast. It is Tuesday. We are back with a new episode of Tech Tuesday. Daphna, how are you this morning? Um, I'm doing very well. Uh, I, You know, I love Tech Tuesday episodes. We yeah. love to hear about new things. And um, so for the people who were at the Delphi conference in March, um, mm-hmm. everybody's been, we've gotten great feedback from the conference. Mm-hmm. And we are posting pretty much every talk that's been given on YouTube for free. However, there was a pitch session where people came and sort of shared their ideas. Some of it are not uh, ready to be released. So it was a very private affair. And so I always wonder about the people who didn't get to see the pitch sessions at Delphi and what they've missed. So yeah, sorry. I just want the pitch session was super cool, right? Like that, it was one of the most popular things that we did at at Delphi. And it was basically, it was different than an abstract session, right? It's stuff that is totally up and coming or stuff that is already out there and being studied. And gosh, we learned a lot. People were really excited about it. And one of the people that presented was Holly Clark from Astarte Medical. And so we're quite excited to be able to uh, talk to our guest today, who is none other than Tracy Warren. Uh, Tracy is the CEO and co-founder of Astarte Medical. Tracy, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Nice to see you guys. Thanks for having me. No, a pleasure is all ours. And I guess we're going to do exactly like we do for every Tech Tuesday. We're going to begin from the standpoint of somebody listening in the car saying, I have never heard of this company before. So can you give us in a few minutes, what is Astarte Medical and what are um, the solution you are offering to uh, providers in the NICU? Sure. So our vision here at Astarte Medical is really that clinical nutrition is probably the most powerful way to influence medicine beyond simply survival, and especially in our preterm infant population, we think it can be um, a very powerful tool to improve outcomes for neonatal populations. So our platform is an EMR-integrated clinical decision support tool. Uh, We use hospital feeding protocols. We embed that in the workflow, and we alleviate the mundane tasks that can be associated with nutrition and feeding. So gathering all that data, running all those calculations, and making it as straightforward as possible to make the best evidence-based decisions um, relating to helping our babies grow. I think this is um, a very important point. The, the, the tool itself is called Nick Nutrition, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And 
And the the cool thing about this is that as we've we've noticed ourselves and I think other providers that the care of medically complex patients is so dependent on optimizing nutrition. And we all know that optimizing nutrition is a tall task. Um, we're not really talking about making sure you have the right total food volume. We're not making sure we're not talking about making sure you're using appropriate calories. But the big questions are how do we do patient-specific planning? How do we make sure that macronutrients are adjusted appropriately? And I think this is really the level of details in which uh, a starting medical and nutrition are going into. Is that, that correct? That's correct. And I think part of the challenge, as you said, are these decisions are being made almost you know, on a daily basis, looking for intolerance, measuring and assessing almost on a continuous basis. But you don't know if you're right for a long period of time, right? It's a long game. Unlike, you know, putting a kid, you know, on a respirator vent and, and you know, right, they're breathing. <laughs> um, this is very different. And I think that's where we're trying to help clinical teams have greater confidence in those decisions um, and, and making it easy to make the best decision. So um, can you tell us a little bit how it actually works? Like, what's the user experience like? Sure. And as you guys may recognize, uh, every hospital has its own feeding protocol um, mm -hmm. and they vary widely, uh, vastly and continue to be evaluated and changed. So it's an evolving part of clinical practice that our tool, we take that hospital's own feeding protocol. So it's your consensus based um, philosophy on how to feed. We embed that right into your Epic or Cerner or other EMR. So that when you're at a, in a patient, you have a nutrition tab and it helps you gather all the data, the growth velocity, the milestones, the metrics, and it recommends based on your feeding protocol. We obviously recommend, um, recognize that practitioners will make the orders because there's a lot that I'm sure is assessed and not covered, but we want to take the tediousness out of knowing what was actually delivered. How's the baby growing? What other things may have crept up? Um, especially if you haven't been on service for a few weeks. And we give you sort of some visualizations to make that picture holistic so you can really start to understand that baby's journey. Yeah, I mean, the 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 tabs look so good. There's the data visualization aspect of it is, is great. So number one, uh, you can see uh, the patient's weight Z-scores. You can have the feeding rates. It also tells you um, the kind of feeding you are on, the number of feeds that were delivered. And what I really like about it is that, as you said, an important piece of this is that it really marries itself seamlessly with the unit's dedicated feeding protocol. And so in a in in part of the nutrition tab, you'll get sort of what you're at, which is your completed tab versus the suggested tab. So saying uh, maybe you should be on mother's milk uh, 100% if, if that's what the protocol dictates. And so it's a great tool also to make sure that uh, you're staying up, up to par with the expectation of your own unit. Absolutely. And one of the things we hope to do is support centers that may not have registered dietitians or nutritionists on staff where that, you know, that burden of data collection and analysis may fall to the provide, you know, the prescribers or the nursing staff. Um, but also just to have a communication tool among the team. So everyone's looking at the same data. I'm going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> okay, I like okay. it. Okay. <laughs> because I think that even if you have dietitians, we've mm -hmm. worked in institutions that we had 120 beds and the dietitians were running 
like chickens without heads because it is like what there's there was what three of them and we yeah, have a hundred bed too much. Yeah. we have a hundred bed unit and to for them to do all the calculations for them to see all the babies and be ready on rounds with all the data that we needed to make feeding decisions that was super hard like i remember they were stressed and 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 you know how it is with budget and if they were to cut their hours maybe half an hour more the whole edifice would fall down. So I think even if you have dietitians, this can actually streamline their work and make their efficiency so much so much higher. And again, if you do not have dietitians, then even mm-hmm. more reason. If 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 there are any budgetary reason for not having a dietitian, or if there's just no workforce available to hire, I think this is true. But I I still think that if you have a large unit with dietitians that are strained and are really stretched thin, nutrition still has room to play. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I certainly would, obviously, and thank you for the commercial. But we, um, I we just did a webinar. Actually, we hosted a webinar by three um, RDNs who really talked about ratios. Yeah. Much to your point, right? Having one or having two on a eighty or hundred bed unit is still not sufficient, and they can only round on patients every week and right. really do that deep dive. And so, I do think we do help improve those ratios. And one of the things we're looking at in some of our early clients is. How many patients can you now support in a day with a full analysis, right? All of those calculations, all of those um, assessments, and can we help them practice top of license where they're actually spending more time, not in Excel or on a piece of paper and a calculator, but really in the dialogue and trying to help the clinical teams make the best decision. Yeah, what I thought was really interesting, and this just comes on the heels, Ben, you just presented a paper about like... uh babies aren't getting what we think they're getting, right? So we put in an order and then that's not always what the babies are getting. But with this system, you know exactly what they're getting. And I think even like in the units with um, the best uh, dietitians, some of the like, you know, micronutrients, things like that really get overlooked. But what what I liked about this was really kind of the QI potential for an individual unit to say, you know, we want to change X something, whatever it is, but we don't even know what our starting point is. Um, and I think this would re- be really, really valuable um, for for any unit who's just saying, like, what is our starting point? And when we make a change, what does that look like? Um, so I was hoping you could spend some time on some of the uh, the lesser glorified nutritional aspects because I yeah. think those get missed. And I wanted to hear more about the ECI platform. Yes, the equitable care, sure. So um, I think your point is exactly right. And honestly, we see the platform as an opportunity to gather evidence-based data, honestly, independent of protocol, and look at it on a de-identified basis. So there's still a lot of debate. Do you fortify? Do you not fortify? Feed early, feed slowly. Um, and as much as some of the studies tend to lean us in one direction or another, there isn't a large body of data from a QI or research perspective to say, look, when you look at the outcomes and you work your way backwards, right, we, we tediously benchmark ourselves, but the intricate details of how we fed or, or how these babies developed over time before you got to that outcome is just impossible to report, right? You can't imagine reporting feed by feed to the Vermont Oxford network and try to get, you know, sort of a sense of what's been successful. So to your point on QI, I mean, what we really hope to support is 
you've introduced a new fortifier, you've introduced a new practice, you've hired another lactation consultant. Do you have greater human milk rates on your unit now that you've hired additional people? It can be a tool to assess all kinds of elements of practice that affect those babies getting optimal nutrition and and reaching their milestones. So it really is meant to be an innovation tool. We want to encourage more new technologies being developed for this patient population. And we get real time before and after. Are you seeing in a week or two of a new QI project, those actual implications instead of finishing it in six months, spending another three months and getting the data to see if it works, right? so I think that's to your first point. The the equitable care intelligence platform, which is what we're really looking at on a health disparities level, is with our tool, you can parse the data in any way, shape, or form and track it in real time. So one of the big use cases is certainly looking at, say, for example, black versus white infants, human milk utilization, growth rates, uh, comorbidities, are babies on the unit being treated equitably? And can you, while they're still in your unit, identify those opportunities to keep them on par? And we've had some great data come out of Arkansas Children's where their Black babies did great until human milk at discharge. Uh, we published that at one of uh, the recent conferences. And so supporting that now from a QI perspective, it's those days before discharge and really supporting that practice so that you can improve and, and reduce that gap. Um, but it's a great tool for, for teams to actually make impact while the babies are still in the unit. Um, and whether that be process improvements, product introductions, et cetera, we want the data to serve up options for our customers to help them, you know, support families where it matters most. Yeah. I think that's such an important, um, point that, you know, we sometimes say, oh, this is, this is our, uh, our, um, fishbone, our driver diagram. And these are the things we think are the problems, but sometimes we don't even know what the problems are, but having a kind of a more comprehensive overview and the graphics that this provides are really phenomenal. I mean, you can really highlight um, so many different things and where not just are the disparities, but like where are we falling short across the board um, that you may not have even considered as a, a, a place to make change. Um, but I think this will actually help units identify where some of the problems lie that they hadn't considered uh, previously. Yeah. And I think one of the things we like of having the data sort of tagged, right? If you are putting up a small baby unit, if you are creating a QI in a particular surgical cohort, or you really want to kind of double down or dig in on a particular group, you can create dashboards that favor that group. And so every time a baby who may fit that profile um, is rounded on, or there's some kind of an assessment, you kind of have those metrics front and center. And so the consistency of care does elevate because it's it's, this is the baby. This is what we're doing. Just a reminder, um, you know, these are the things we want to work on. Um, and you can parse that data, which you cannot do seamlessly in your um, EMR. And even when you get reports from your informatics groups, they're static, right? Mm-hmm. This is real time mm-hmm. and you Dynamic. can help to help support care. I wanted to say one one more thing about the ECI um, databases. Um, it's tracking not just quote unquote 
nutrition stats. Um, so is that pulling um, diagnosis data from the EMR? Yeah, we pull a lot of things we don't represent on the dashboard um, because a lot of it does influence protocols if babies are on particular medications or they have particular diagnoses, their contraindications to feeding often. So while we don't always display that, but in our reporting, we do track outcomes. Um, we do track, um, you know, sort of clinical observations. So an intolerance, um, you know, observation or, or um, charting. So we have a lot in the background that helps support that. And then when we do reporting or if you're looking to ask a particular research question, a lot of that's in a less visualized form, but mm-hmm. it's there. And that tells that comprehensive picture. But like here, um, I see this slide of outcomes overview. Even you have mortality, neck, sepsis, um, IVH, CLABSIS, BPD, um, and all by, I guess, components potentially um, of race or other factors in your unit, which is a whole nother level of data tracking that I'm not sure people would have thought a nutrition, uh, you know, add-on um, would be right. would be covering. We can do that by zip code. We can do that by a lot of other, you know, um, demographic or biodemographic profiles for babies. So yes, our the goal is to let your data help you interrogate practice and then elevate it um, to support um, the best practices. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is proudly sponsored by Reckitt Mead Johnson. Reckitt Mead Johnson is dedicated to the research and development of nutrition products that help support baby development at every stage, including an extensive and female portfolio for premature and low birth weight infants. To learn more, visit hcp.meadjohnson.com. Um, Anne Hansen, the, the medical director at Boston Children, told us that when something new rolls out, she never wants to be the first, she doesn't want to be the last. And I think it's important to mention that um, nutrition is not if if people are interested they are not going to be the first to try this you you've actually uh you've actually have accumulated experience with this tool in various NICUs and I just want you to speak maybe a little bit about uh some of the things that Holly presented at Delphi which is what you've noticed before uh, in a before and after sort of scenario what what did you what were you able to achieve for these NICUs in terms of some of these uh, outcomes that we all care so much about Yes. And we do have um, four clients, uh, many of them children's hospitals, but also a regional level three community NICU. Um, and what we've been able to show and have presented is that we can um, statistically um, show a difference in improvements in feeding milestones. So reaching full feeds, um, earlier transition to oral feeding, reducing length of stay pretty dramatically. We've shown 11 days uh, for 1,500 gram less babies. Um, and reducing uh, parenteral nutrition days and central line days. So some pretty big targets that we've shown, even in small units that may be under 20 beds or at 20 beds, um, the ability to help improve care and improve protocol compliance. So we haven't talked a little bit about that, but most centers think they do 70 to 80% if you pulled them. Um, that number is usually south of that. Um, and we, so we came even, to this sad realization not too long ago when our dietitian presented that data to us. So, uh, right. yes, you're preaching We're to the well choir. We're well aware. 
<laughs> yeah, it can be it can be sobering, but it's it's also room for improvement, right? And it is the, it are it is things that within the practice you can relatively change in shorter period. It can't it doesn't have to take years, right? It can mm-hmm. it can happen in weeks and months. Um, and so even just improving by fifteen to twenty percent your compliance, we see these changes, um, and it is really reducing that variability and providing that feedback loop. So those are the things that we hope to continue to demonstrate. Um, some of the softer things we're working on this year is looking at workflow. Can we reduce the burnout? Can we improve ratios? Can we make sure that, you know, patient satisfaction, parent satisfaction is going up? People can spend more time at the bedside using the tool. Um, some of the softer things from a return on investment, um, because I do think those, especially in today's labor environment, can be quite important. Yeah. I mean, I have, a, I have from experience, it's totally subjective, but. This is one of the most important aspect of care for parents. It is one of the few cares they understand completely. They may not understand ventilator and why you switch this machine for that machine, but how much their babies are getting fed, what they're getting fed is something that matters very uh, truly to them. And so I think the more efforts we can do in order to make this aspect of the care more uh, easier to understand and also make yourself look good if you have that much, if you show that you have this kind of data available, parents usually say, wow, these guys have have this together and they know what they're doing. So I I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, We're coming close to the end of our discussion. And so I wanted to maybe spend some time on on technical things, if that's okay, because- I think if people are listening and they say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm actually interested, but now I don't know if this is going to be for me or not. You mentioned that this is a, basically a tool that integrates into your EMR. So it is sometimes, some, sometimes we've interviewed companies and they have other forms. So they have like a web portal or something like that. So in, in the case of Nick Nutrition, we're talking about only EMR integration or are there other ways to access this tool? Yeah, no, we have multiple ways and sort of a, a actually a series of opportunities. So if people want to wade in and try the tool, one of our early opportunities, more of a project base where we actually look at your retrospective data. So we do a one-time poll. Um, so it's not full integration. So if you're doing a EMR crossover, this is a good, a good pilot way to look at things. But um, we pull your historic data. It can also help inform developing a protocol, revisiting a protocol, looking at your outcomes. Etc. Um, and that's a one-time fee. And that's sort of a very capitated way to kind of look at um, the tool. You can play with it um, and have users integrate with it. Uh, we can do asynchronous where we don't fully integrate, but we do that in a periodic way. So maybe every month you pull your data, every quarter for reporting to Vaughn, etc. Um, and then there's the sort of the, the Tesla version, if you will, the full integration um, where we sit and you're, it's your login to your EMR. There's no additional sign on and there's no additional documentation. So as I said, it sits right in your workflow. Um, so it's transparent to you as a user from, um, as far as data acquisition and data presentation. Which EMR are you guys, um, able to accommodate at this time? Right now we're Epic, Cerner and Meditech. I guess the last question that, I have for you on in terms of logistics is let's say we reach out to you, we want to integrate. What is the process timeline from the point that from first contact with Astarty Medical to actually me being able to use the, the tool in my EMR? Yeah, so let me answer that. By time we sign a contract, which can have committees and yeah. and legal and all those things. So once we sign a contract, if the hospital has a resource available. And that's usually our first gating item is to make sure we have 
um, an IT resource from the hospital side available. Um, you can have data within 30 days on that project basis that I talked about. We have most of the queries available um, and less than 90 days for full integration. So it really is um, relatively quickly. Um, the biggest skating item is usually we're competing with U.S. News and World Reporting, Epic integrations or upgrades, et cetera. So assuming we have resources, uh, it's less than 90 days. Right. But I think it's important. I, I, even if, if uh, we're not going to hold you to this timeline, but I think people mm -hmm. are under, <laughs> no, because I think people are, are wanting to know what is the order of magnitude? Am I talking like a year until this can actually get integrated? Am I talking like a few weeks? Am I talking many months or am I talking a few days? And I think all these things matter because that, that is depending on how you pitch this to your C-suite, how do you pitch this to your team? Like this, this matters tremendously. Um, so, so, so thank you for that. Um, I mean, I don't have any further questions. Daphna, do you have anything before we close out? Yeah, I just had one more questions about some of the other resources you guys offer. Some webinars um, from your website, a collaboration um, with the March of Dimes and the Next Society. Yeah. So we do. We did. We've done a series of purely educational webinars. We've had top speakers um, on infant and neonatal nutrition, um, as I mentioned, we talked about RD, the evolution of RDs in the NICU. Um, we believe it's, you know, there aren't a lot of forums. Uh, and I think that's why you guys are so successful um, for this audience. Um, and so we did our part, I think, on some of our educational webinars. So they're on demand on our website. Uh, you can just um, view them. Um, and then we do, we work with the March of Dimes. We've done a Meals That Matter campaign with them. Uh, and we were Next Society champions. So we think these are amazing organizations that serve our families um, in a way that we can't always as a clinical decision support company. We're kind of the, the tech inside, um, but we believe these are tremendous organizations. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tracy, thank you so much for making the time. We will have all the opportunities for people to get in touch with you and with Astarte Medical on the episode page. And uh, it's, this is a very impressive tool. Um, by the way, as, as usual for uh, Tech Tuesday, full disclosure, we have no conflict of interest. We are not <laughs> users yet. I would love to be a user. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so, so congratulations and uh, good luck on uh, your future endeavors. Great. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Incubator. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of The Incubator and new shows from The Incubator Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nicupodcast at gmail.com, or by visiting our website, www.the-incubator.org. You can also message the show on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter, at NICU Podcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.